Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. Good morning, C1 family. I uh, I was hoping never to actually have to speak through a video like this again, but that's not how life works out. I'm so excited to be in worship with you, even though it's through video. I missed you guys. I just want to say on behalf of my family, uh, my dad, my sisters, my wife, my kids, my nieces and nephews, thank you so much for your prayers during this time. As you guys probably have already heard, uh, my wife and kids, uh, we and myself, we were all exposed to the coronavirus while at my mom's um, celebration of life service. And so we all went and got tested just to be safe. My wife and kids were all tested negative, but myself, I had to be the stubborn one and test positive. And so my quarantine will end this coming Saturday. Uh, thank you so much for your prayers. In the meantime, they, they do mean a lot. Um, if it wasn't for your prayers and Jesus and coffee, mainly Jesus and your prayers, I don't know if I could have made it through this last week. So thank you. But today we are going to continue in our series called How To. And we're kind of just walking through the book of James. James is a how-to book. He has over 50 imperative statements about how to live this life for Jesus. And Pastor Ben, last week, he knocked out of the park about how to know if your faith is alive. How to know if your your faith is honoring God. This is a beautiful message. I would encourage anyone who's struggling in faith or anyone in general to go listen to the message from last week because it is powerful. And we're just going to jump right into chapter 3 this morning. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12. And... I'm going to try not to be long-winded because I'm having to stand up in this corner and everything like that uh, this morning, but we'll see. I make no promises. It's okay to laugh. And uh, let's jump right in. It says in verse 1, I'm reading out of the NLT. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. That's encouraging. I'm just joking. Indeed, we all make mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want it by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set great forests on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body it can set the whole life it, it can set your whole life on fire it for it itself is set on fire by hell itself <clears throat> people can tame all kinds of animals birds and reptiles and fish 
but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so, blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produces figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. I love how James is addressing every aspect of the Christian walk. And James, like I said, is a how-to book. But this is something that we need to keep in our forethought. And as I was praying about this message, I fully intended to be there with you this Sunday and to go at it. But quite frankly, God had other things in mind. But I'm going to preach it like I feel it regardless. So whether you want me to or not, I'm going to go for it. But the way I thought about the tongue is how to... I have one thought today, how to speak life for God's kingdom. Because there's a quote that Jesus says, and my mom used to quote it to me all the time, and so did my dad. And it was, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the tongue is the overflow of what's in your heart. And James is saying that we need to control our tongue. Just because you think it doesn't mean you need to say it, even if it's true. And that's a lesson that we all need to learn. Just because you think it doesn't mean it's worth saying. doesn't bring glory to God. If it doesn't bring glory to God or point people to Jesus, you should probably bite it. If it doesn't display love of God, because first and foremost, we are Christians. We are followers of Christ. We are here on this earth to point people to Jesus. That is our sole purpose. And if we are doing anything other than that with our mind, with our, with our words, then we aren't walking in the will of God. Oh man, that's hard. James Strait says, no one's perfect. We're not going to be perfect at this, but we do need to make an effort to speak life. If this, if this thing in my mouth and your mouth is set on fire from the pit of hell, um, well, when we, when we accept Christ, we become a new creation. So suddenly we have, we have this in us, this spirit, to help us control our tongue, control our actions, and to live for Christ. So the question is, how do we use our tongue for God's kingdom? That's what I want to put on the table. And James is trying to help the early church understand that, you know what, we do need to control our tongue. We need to... If we, if we use this thing, we need to make sure that it's being used for God. And the tongue is a really good litmus test of where your heart is. Because if something happens to you and the first thing you do is you get bitter, the first thing you do is you get mad, the first thing you do is you accuse, you, you know, all that junk. If that's the first thing you do and it comes out your mouth, then your heart might not be close to God. If, if someone says something offensive to you and the first thing you do is just tear them down, 
That means you need to probably check your heart because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks out of the overflow. What's in your heart will come out of your mouth. And so, but if our heart is close to God and if we're going after Jesus, then what comes out of our mouth is going to glorify God. So if someone insults you, you don't have to respond in kind. Jesus even drops this beautiful bomb called the golden rule in Matthew 7. And, and he says, treat others the way you want to be treated. It's not treat others the way they treat you. It's, hey, you know what? If you want to be treated with respect, treat everyone with respect regardless. If you want to be treated with love, then love everyone regardless of whether they do that to you. So, how to speak life for God's kingdom. Use your words to bring life into conversation. And this really does go back to a heart issue. And th this is a check. If you're constantly negative, if you're constantly sarcastic, if you're constantly being like that, you probably need to check yourself to say, God, am I close to you? I know that's a sobering thing, but you can't speak life if you're drawn from a negative well. You, you, you can't speak life if you're constantly don't have life in you. If you're not spending time with God, who is life, the overflow of your heart is not going to be that. And, and you might be able to keep up a facade for so long, but eventually it will crack because you don't have a good foundation. But the good news is if we spend time with God, if we allow God's word to penetrate our heart, when, when bad things happen, when horrid things like this year happens, we can draw from a well of life and we can speak life. We can speak like this last week. I had all sorts of conversations and I know if it wasn't for God's word in my heart and if it wasn't for God in me, I wouldn't have made it. But I was able to speak life into my nieces and into different people who were far from Jesus because I had life in me. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so James is saying, control your tongue. And Jesus is saying what's in your heart will come out of your mouth. And then Jesus um, says a couple things. And we're going to talk about prayer in a moment. But Proverbs, I, I want to read you. A, I, I just want to read a section of scripture. Proverbs 18, 21. And it's so powerful. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. What we do with our mouth, what we do with our tongue matters when we speak. And this is true. You can, uh, in, in ministry, in dealing with students, I got to see the benefits of students that had life-giving parents. And I got to see the benefit, and I got to see the detrimental effects of students who had no life spoken into them. And one, they were confident. They moved forward. They, they were like, there's nothing I can't do. And they knew who they were. And the other was insecure. They were depressed. But it's so true. Some students would hear, man, you're smart. 
you're brilliant, you're beautiful, and you could tell that's what they thought about themselves. Not in an arrogant way, but in a confident way. And other students, they would hear you're stupid, you'll amount to nothing, and guess what? They were living up to what was spoken into them. And so Solomon is saying in Proverbs chapter 18 that our tongue, our words can sow life or our words can sow death. And if, if, you, if you don't believe me, next time you, you, feel, you kind of feel bad, I dare you to start saying, man, I'm not getting sick. I feel great. I'm, I, I, I don't have hardly any symptoms. Start speaking life into your body. Start, start speaking that. Claim what God's already done for us. God bought our healing. God made it available to us. Christ bears a beating on our behalf. And so when we speak life, we can speak life into our body. And uh, I, that's what I've been doing this whole week. And quite frankly, I haven't had hardly any symptoms. I, like right the first day, I had a slight fever of like 99.8. And I was like, I rebuke this in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to have this. And guess what? My fever went away. And I've been feeling fine ever since. I'm still trying to keep my, it's killing me to not be able to hug my kiddos. I'm telling you, that's the worst part. Like for me, that's the worst part about this. I can't smooch my kids and I can't hug my wife, but man, I, I, I feel great. And I, I, I know that some people are asymptomatic and some people have all sorts of symptoms and all that stuff, but I just, I've always taken this approach to sickness. I refuse to give um, sickness any ground. If I have symptoms, I still speak life because I know the power of life and death is in my tongue. And I'm going to use it for God's glory. And we're launching today, we've already mentioned it, but we're launching into 21 days of prayer. And if you want to talk about how we can speak life into God's kingdom, man, prayer is a great thing. And not just praying in our heads. So often, like, I think there's something so powerful about declaring in faith with your mouth. Not just praying in your head. You, sometimes you don't have time to pray out loud, but pray out loud for the things in your life, for those lost loved ones, for the life groups. We're going we're gonna to be praying for life groups. We have 21 days from this day that we launch life groups, guys. We need to be praying that God's kingdom grows through life groups. We need to be praying that God starts to check. And I, I promise you, there are going to be people that watch this that are a part of C1 that are probably even in that room that they're, they're, they're kind of feeling like, maybe I should lead a life group. Maybe I should host a life group. You need to act on that. You need to be obedient to the Holy Spirit because, because God is going to use you and grow his kingdom. He is going to grow his kingdom through your obedience. And that's a beautiful thing. So we need to be praying. Prayer is one of those things that's a weapon. It's not a last resort. It's a first defense to our enemy. It is a weapon. And we pray you not only using our mind, our heart, but our mouth. We declare things in faith. I'm not, oh, is he getting into name it, claim it? No, I'm not. But the reality is I, I want to share two scriptures about what we can do in prayer. And what does Jesus say about prayer to the person who is a follower of Christ? We always try to take in 
um, put, well, if it's in God's will and everything like that. But that's not what Jesus says. I read it several times. He doesn't say anything about the will of God here. He just straight says, this is what you can do in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> and I get excited about this because I know the power of prayer. I know what prayer can do. I know that I've seen the mountains moved because of God. And when his people pray. And so I, I, I want us to get this idea of what we can do with our mouth. We need to pray for life groups. We need to pray for our nation. We need to pray right now that God guides these elections. We like I know God puts uh, leaders into in, into place, and He you know He that's God does that. But we still need to pray about the elections. We need to pray that C one grows the kingdom of God. We need to grow this kingdom because time is short. Jesus is coming back and people need the gospel. I can't get any more excited. If anything, I walked out of my mom's funeral with this resolve that we can't waste any more time trying to beat the, uh, a drum. We've got to just push forward. And if you're with us, great. If you're not, there's a million other churches. We're in the buckle of the Bible belt. But we got to be serious about the kingdom. I, I can't express that enough. I have a greater resolve than I ever did to see people come to know Jesus. To, we got to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Oh man, I'm going to preach it like I feel it. But Jesus says in John 14, 12 through 14, this is what the power that we have in Christ. And we got to step into it. John 12 or John 14, 12 through 14. He says, I tell you the truth. Every word that flowed out of Jesus' mouth was truth. But when Jesus says, I tell you the truth, we better perk up. We better pay attention. We better hone in. This is a weapon. God, Jesus is giving us a weapon here to use against the enemy, to, to grow his kingdom, to see his kingdom come and his will be done. He's saying that you have authority and you have power through the Holy Spirit in you. And he says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works. It's, it, it is time for the church to get off our lame booty. Yeah, I just said booty. I'm not there in person technically, so I can say that in church, I guess. I don't know. But it's time for us to get off our lame self and push forward. If Jesus said that we're going to do greater works than him, oh, by golly, we better start doing them. Because, because this world needs Jesus. And we are the avenue of that. I'm so, I'm, guys, I, I, I love you. I'm, I'm just excited. And even greater works. Because I am going to the Father. Because Jesus is at the right hand of God and his spirit, the Holy Spirit is in us. We can do greater things things through Christ on earth. And because he was one man, we are the church. We are a multiplied effort of his will on earth. You can ask anything. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the son can bring glory to the father. Yes. Ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. You want to talk about the power of the tongue, the power of our words, life and death. We have authority to go before God's throne boldly in the name of Jesus and the righteousness of Christ and say, God, 
Give us the city. Give us the derelict. Give us the homosexual. Give us the drunkard. Give us the sinner. And help us to lead them into a growing relationship with you. Oh God. We have this amazing authority. And then Jesus follows that up. And this is all at the Last Supper. The last thing he's telling his disciples before he gets crucified. Then he launches in to how it's good for him to go so that he can send the advocate, the helper, the comforter to us. And he says he'll lead us to all truth. He'll convict the world of their unbelief. He'll convict the world of righteousness. He'll convict of judgment. And he launches into why we need the Holy Spirit. And then following after, talking about how we're going to receive the Holy Spirit upon believing in Jesus. He says in John 16, 23 and 24, he repeats. And so I, I, I think that sometimes we, we miss these nuggets when we only read like a chapter at a time. I think it's good to read chapters at a time. I think it's good to read verses at a time and really chew on them. But sometimes we need to consume larger amounts of scripture to understand the whole context. Because there is a huge narrative of Jesus talking to his disciples at the Last Supper in John. It's, it's several chapters long. And in John 16, 23, and 24, Jesus says, At that time you won't need to ask me for anything. And this is after we receive the Holy Spirit. When you accept Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes. And he is in you. It's the Holy Spirit that enables you to live for Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that tells you, hey, you don't need to live that way anymore. It's the Holy Spirit that changes the way you think as you accept Christ and believe that Jesus is the Son of God. It's the Holy Spirit that transforms you. We can't do this without the Holy Spirit. It's only through the Holy Spirit that we're made righteous. That we are sanctified. And sanctification is a churchy term. And I say this all the time, but it's not the fact that you'll ever be sinless. It's the fact that as you serve Jesus and you allow the Holy Spirit to work on you, you sin less and less over time. It's a lifelong effort of the Holy Spirit changing you to be like Jesus when you make Jesus Lord of your life. And in John 16, Jesus follows up after you receive the Holy Spirit. He says, at that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. Let's listen. You will ask the Father directly, and he will grant your request because you use my name. That's what Jesus is telling his disciples. That's why we pray in the name of Jesus. It's our authority to go before the Father. It is it is our authority. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name. And you will receive. And you will have abundant joy. Because of what Christ did for us. We're co-heirs with Christ. He's our older brother. He's the first among the risen. And we get to come before God Almighty. God the Father. And say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask and he will do it. You want to speak life. James is James is speaking to a church about the tongue. 
And some of us have a hard time controlling our tongue. Some of us say exactly what comes to mind and we don't care whether it hurts people's feelings or not. That's not God. That is an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to work on you and to make you like Jesus. Because the Bible tells us to control our tongue. But when we do use our tongue, let's use it. When we use our words, let's use it. Let, let the overflow of our heart bring glory to God. Let it grow the kingdom. And we have an opportunity in the next 21 days to call out for life groups here at C1. To ask God to send kingdom growth to C1. To ask God to heal our nation. And when we ask in Jesus' name, using our tongue, God will do it. It's simple. It's so simple. The power of life and death is in the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. If all you are is a negative Nancy, then you're just going to live a negative life and you're going to have a horrible existence. But man, if you let the joy of the Lord penetrate your heart and no matter what the enemy throws at you, like we just went through um, the first message of this series to consider it pure joy when you face trials and you said, you know what? The enemy might be coming at me, but God is greater and I'm going to speak life into this situation. I'm going to pray. I'm going to speak. I'm going to use my words to glorify God and grow the kingdom. I think sometimes we underestimate the power of our words and the power of our prayer. We think of prayer as a last resort, but prayer is what leads to revival. Prayer is what realigns our hearts to God. Prayer allows us to be bare before the Lord Almighty and say, God, have your way in me. We have got an opportunity. And I dare you. Push everything aside to say for the next 21 days, and maybe it'll start a, a good habit or a spiritual discipline. I'm going to speak life. I'm not going to let anything negative come out my mouth. I'm not saying deny reality because there are a lot of bad things happening. That faith doesn't deny reality, guys. Faith looks at reality and realizes our God is bigger. And I dare you for the next 21 days to call out in faith what God can do and wants to do through us here at C1, through life groups, that I, I, I believe that we can multiply, that, that we're going to have more life groups than we started with next or last this last um, winter in February. And by next February, we're going to have even more, Be, not because I'm all about numbers or anything like that. But because I'm all about the kingdom, I want people to grow into a growing relationship with Jesus. And as we step in and we start declaring faith and we lay down our tongue before God, literally, we, we submit every part of us to God, we're going to grow. It's all of us that need to grow here, not just people that need salvation, but people who have a relationship with Jesus Christ that need to subject themselves to God and to make ourselves a living sacrifice. I'm excited, guys. I'm going to hand it back over to Pastor Ben, and he's going to lead you through the response time. Thank you so much. I love you.